welcome to episode 9 of Pull Up with Miles and Owen. And joining us live from Connecticut, from the practice facility, we have a national champion, a current WNBA point guard, Ty Harris. Welcome to the show. How are you doing? Thank you. I'm good. Thanks for having me. Yeah. I mean, we're super excited to talk to you. <laughs> I wanted to talk about just the sun. Yeah. The team is off to a six and one start. Uh, and it's been, the sun have been a top four team in every year, but the bubble season mm-hmm. dating back to 2017, I believe, and hitting the finals a few times. And the core there has largely been kept intact. AT, DB, Breezy, Natisha. When you were in Dallas, each year it felt like you were kind of bringing in a new crop of rookies. So what has it been like for you to move to this Sun team that's just got so many veterans? Um, It means everything. I actually enjoy it because now I can learn, like, in a different aspect. I'm now younger, so I can learn from them, see what they've been doing. And like you said, they've been to uh, the top four teams in a long time. So it's interesting to see them and see how they – interact, see how they think uh, in training camp, just to see how they process things. Uh, it's cool because they also get in. I thought, I'm thinking like that, you know, they chill, they take the time off, training camp don't really need to do it, but they're actually engaged. They join drills and they help us very, very much. They do. So for three years, you're playing against a lot of these players. Maybe you form impressions from afar but has anyone either on court in terms of how they go about basketball stuff or just off court personality wise, has anyone on this team kind of uh, surprised you in terms of like getting to know them for real? Yeah. Um, all of them kind of, cause like I've watched all of them many times and even overseas and I've asked DB and AT, I'm just like, are you guys not tired? Like you guys play all year round and you guys are on like top EuroLeague teams and you guys have been doing it for probably my entire age, just going up playing basketball. And they're just like, I love basketball time. And I'm just like, wow. Like that puts it in perspective to me. Like when I'm feeling tired and I'm just like, look at them, they're still going. Like there's no way you should be tired. So it's like an inspiration just to see them still putting in that work and still grinding it out, honestly. I made a joke the other day that like, I wouldn't expect AT to even get off the court at a timeout. She just wants right. to be on the court at all times right. and she's just she, ready to go. She's she does not want no sub. And I asked her that too. I'm like, I'm like, AT, are you just like, do you condition something crazy? Like, do you do something? She's like, I'm just built like this. I'm just like, <laughs> you got it. <laughs> you got it. I, I it's a good transition because I wanted to ask about overseas. You're a 20 point scorer overseas. Your aggressiveness shoots up a couple of notches. Yeah. So how do you yeah, how do you approach your game differently there as opposed to the W? And is it a matter of just kind of the speed and style of play changing or is it something a different approach from you? Honestly, it's I think it's all on me. Uh that's something I actually have been trying to work on, I guess, and just progress on uh cuz overseas I am more of a scorer, uh sort of and get to my pull-ups. I mean, I'm very humble in the fact that I know what I'm capable of doing. I do it every day in workouts and practice and overseas, like you said. So it's just translating that to here because it's the same players, the same same game. Um, obviously, there's better players here in W, but honestly, it's the same setup. We do the same pick and roll, same pull-up shots. Like, I can still get to my spots. It's just a matter of me being confident and knocking them down, honestly. 
So our first episode actually was with Kayla Thornton yeah. and we talked to her about, she was in Australia at the time and we talked to her just about what was it like being on the other side of the world <laughs> when you hear about getting traded in your WNBA life. So for you being in Turkey, what was the range of emotions? What was that like kind of hearing the news? Okay. Now, I'm going to give y'all insight. I was actually out. <laughs> I was out at a club with a couple of the All-Americans. Uh, we went to Istanbul. And um, that's where a lot of people go. Like, all the Americans, if you're in different cities, it's like an hour flight from every city. So everybody just go to Istanbul. And I was out in a club. I actually kind of knew because my agent and uh, other people have been telling me about it. So I was kind of, I, I had a heads up. and But um, I was overseas. We were out. It was probably like 2 or 3 a.m. Um, I think I got a text from Greg, and he was just like, I, you guys are probably asleep. I'm like, I'm not asleep. <laughs> <laughs> asleep. Uh, we just didn't want to call you, wake you up, but letting you know, basically, like, you guys are being traded. And then it got posted. So um, I was with a group of Americans, and it got posted on social media. So that's kind of how they thought I found out, and that's how everybody else found out. But I already knew. So it was kind of like, yeah, I know. But <laughs> it was a whirlwind. I love Dallas. I love the organization. I'm blessed team being that shoe, uh, them giving me the opportunity. I still have friends in Dallas. It's a great city, but now I got a fresh start here and opportunity here. So I'm excited to be here. I love that. Uh, just that insight that uh, behind the scenes. Yeah. <laughs> and something KT talked about for her was that there was a physical distance from her W life, right? Like, because yes, there are some players in Australia that she was seeing, but yeah. it feels almost like two different two different basketball experiences and she said like it didn't really feel real until training camp really right like when you're actually in a new uniform when you're actually with those new players so when did that kind of hit for you yeah for me it kind of hit when I actually knew because I'm I'm a person who like overthinks things ahead so like I like comfortability for me also so like just even the seasons wrapping up or whatever and um I just knew I wasn't going back to Dallas where I'm comfortable. I knew where I was going to live in Dallas. I knew how the training camp was going to go, even if they had a new coach. You know, like I already had that familiarity. But just coming here to Connecticut, it made it better that the coaching staff was new. So it wasn't like I'm coming into a place where I have to figure out my way by myself and they already have stuff established. Like, yes, they had a core and we have standards, but like everybody's new. So now we all can help each other and learn on the fly. But honestly, it wasn't it, – it really wasn't that bad once I knew because – Yes, you're being traded, but it's like you're part of a blockbuster trade of Jacquel Jones, who is a big time player. So it wasn't like, you know, just a straggler, you know, <laughs> just a little trade here and there. But I was a part of that. That's a really cool perspective, the, the new coaching staff, because you're right. Everybody's kind of learning yeah. the, the playbook all at once. Yeah. <laughs> no, I just said it makes it much easier that everybody's still learning and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I wanted to take you back a couple of years because you were part of perhaps one of the strangest drafts in recent W memory, just because of the circumstances Uh, COVID on the rise and your collegiate career was just abruptly cut short while the world, the whole world shuts down. Mm -hmm. So there's a huge divergence from the typical W schedule, which is basically you play until elimination and then stress where you're going to go in a week or so. And at South Carolina, that would have been the situation you were in, right? You would have been playing until the last possible minute. So what was the pre-draft process like for you? Because I don't imagine there was any in-person interaction. Was it phone calls? How did that all go down? Yeah, so, I mean, uh, what happened was terrible. Obviously, people were dying and the world was getting shut down and 
everything got cut off. So that was the sad part about it. You never really got closure just from that season. Um, but it was also a blessing in disguise because it kind of put a pause on my life, honestly. Uh, I never had so many family team, I mean, family uh, dinners. Like we were eating together. Usually we're a full house full of athletes. So it's usually like when you get done in practice, get whatever you get and get in the bed and restart the day. But now that everything was shut down, we ate together. We had family game nights. It was it was really nice. And um, like you said, we got a longer break. Like I didn't have to play it till the end of the week. I had to go. I had a break where we were kind of flirting around with WME teams. So it was Zoom calls. So we had to take Zoom calls with the WME teams, interviews here and there. And um once I once we got drafted, it was just straight Zoom, literally just straight Zoom, and then kind of work on whatever you can work on until the season. And we didn't have a training camp. Like we got into the bubble, it was already a team was already set, so it wasn't like oh, you training camp people can work through kinks. Some people might make it, some people not. So that was like the unfortunate thing about it, because you know how training camp people can prove themselves and they can outshine other people that you might not expect. But now that uh, we had to go into the season with the team already made, the roster's already cut, going into the bubble, that that made it hard. But it was good for me, uh, obviously, because I made the team. But the draft was crazy because condoned the WNBA, they uh, put it together very well. Uh, They made it where, like, we can have our own orange-red carpet (laughs) at our house or wherever you were at. Um, And they had people live, like ESPN Live. They sent kits where you could set up your own little ESPN if you're going to go live. And um, that was good. It was really hard, though, because it was hard to find an outfit because everything was shut down. So I was ordering like six, seven different outfits, hoping one would come, hoping one would fit <laughs> by the time. And actually, the day of the draft, none of my outfits fit. So I had to run to Target the morning, of, find an outfit. Uh, it came together really nice. So I'm happy about that. Next mom. It came together really nice, but, like, it was that morning when I found my outfit, like, run to Target, hurry up, put something together. My friends came over and did my face and uh, makeup and stuff like that, and we got through it. I mean, it was hard, but we got through it. <laughs> Man, shout out to the family and friends. Right. <laughs> right. Um, so I wanted to go back a little bit further and kind of give fans just a sense of your journey mm-hmm. Um you know, to the WNBA, mm-hmm. uh, playing high school basketball in Indiana, a, a place with such a rich basketball history. Uh, what was that like? What are some of your lasting memories from kind of, uh, you know, growing up in that environment in a basketball sense? Yeah, um, Indiana, Hoosier State. Uh, a lot of people always know because of the Hoosier movie and stuff like that. It was great. I mean, we actually had like a a junior and senior all-star where we played in the Hickory gym and like you got to wear the jersey and like the stuff like that. So Indiana did a nice job of just incorporating that basketball into your life. Um, Just even with Jackie Young, like we're about to play them tomorrow. Like she's from Indiana, Princeton area. So we were all were together, always competing in the all-star games and stuff like that. Um, Yeah. I mean, I played basketball since I was four years old, honestly. So there's a lot of things I remember. AAU is probably the top one, obviously, in high school. Everybody loves AAU, just playing in different cities and states. And, I mean, my high school had a great career, too. I mean, we had three state champions. I could have four, but my freshman year, I think we lost in overtime in the semi-state. So it was good. It was good. Had a great year. I've got the – I've got the three back to back to back in the yep. notes, so we're you know we're, we're getting there. Yeah, we've we've arrived at the most fun portion of the show, 
my personal favorite person on WNBA Twitter is Muffin. And we 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 would have been fools not to hit up Muffin if we're going to have you on the show. So of we course. We got a little uh, voice message from her. That oh, let me hear it. I know it has something about front and center. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's front and center. Oh, my gosh, Ty! <laughs> new city, new season, new bag. You know what I'm saying? Extended bag, girl. We back. And it's time to do your big one, okay? It's time to put the girls on notice because the girls keep playing with you. And you already know how I'm coming about you. Just say the word and it's up for everybody, period. But I just got one question. When are we getting the silk press back? <laughs> it's been over three years, sister. The girls have been asking. And when I say the girls, I mean me. The girls want to know when are we getting the silk press back? You in Connecticut now, so it ain't as hot. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> when are the girls getting the silk press back? Because you know, when you got the silk press, it's over for everybody and their mom. Hey. Period. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I love Muffin for real. She's a ride or die. Like, I really love her and I really respect that. I mean, she's been watching since South Carolina and she's going she's gonna to ride for me. She's going to ride for a lot of people too, but she's going to ride for me. She gets up. When I'm overseas early to watch my game, she keeps everybody updated. If anybody got something to say, I know Muffin going to step, period. But I, slick press, ooh, I don't know. I got to find somebody that can do natural hair. Now it's longer, too, so maybe I'll bring it back. I stopped doing the slick press because uh, I, I had some color, so my hair was falling out. I didn't want to be bald-headed and short hair, so now <laughs> that my hair got some length back, I'll probably do a little slick press, something here and there. Muffin truly is the best. I love my favorite is when you are overseas and she's twins, oh. you know, like three in the morning here and she's just. You know, I love she, it. I love it. That's her support. It. It yeah. is just one volume kind of turned up. Big shout out to her. She's always going to step for me. Big shout out to her. She always, knows. always. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that served as a perfect transition into the South Carolina days. So, Freshman year, you look at your kind of, you know, uh, journey through that first season, which obviously ends in a national championship. Yeah. But if you look at the the game logs from that year, you start off obviously a part of the rotation from mm -hmm. the jump, but playing, you know, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, something like that. Then you cut to the national championship. You lead the team with 37 minutes. I think Asia played 34, Alicia mm -hmm. played 36. Um how did you kind of gain the trust of the coaching staff? And can you just take us through kind of your journey that year as you get more comfortable and become more a core of this, you know, incredible legendary team? Yeah. So being recruited by South Carolina, they're always, their main pitch was that they have the pieces, they're just missing one. And um, that was their sale to me. And I'm like, yeah, you guys do. You guys have Alicia Gray, uh, Kayla Davis, Asia, Elena Coates, Bianca Cuevas, everybody. And I'm like, I'm never afraid of type of person come in and learn and, uh, you know, compete for a spot. So I, that that had nothing to do with it. So I came committed. Uh, team was doing good. I think we lost actually a, quite a bit of games that year that we won, actually. And um, it wasn't until Christmas break. We came back from Christmas break. We're sitting down. Everybody's getting ready. You know how that goes. We had our break. We're like, all right, we're about to run, condition. We're about to, it's going to be a hard practice. And she's like, we're going to have a meeting. And so we have a meeting. And she's like, I've decided 
to enter Ty into the starting lineup for Bianca Cueva. So I'm sitting in my seat. I'm like, all right, let's see how this goes. <laughs> so we're going. And uh, to be told, there was a little rough patch. Uh, teammates, a couple of teammates, they, I don't know if they really liked it at first, but uh, as the season went on and we had meetings and stuff like that, I think they gained more and more trust in me, which gave me confidence to actually execute and lead the team. Um, Don always had trust in me. Um, she said I was always on my P's and Q's. I knew the playbook in and out. I knew where people had to go. And it was pretty easy. I mean, playing with all Americans, it was great. It was easy. All I had to do was get the ball in their hands and they made it work. So a lot of people were like, oh, you led the team. I'm like, I mean, I just passed to Asia. <laughs> I passed to Lane. I passed to Leash. It was easy work for me. I just had to call the right play. So um, that's really what it was. Just being on my P's and Q's, being in Don's ear, learning from her. Um, also just having that connection with my teammates. So like when the change didn't happen with Bianca, it wasn't nothing like animosity towards me and her. Like we all had that connection where it was like, we could still help each other. And she, she became a friend of mine. She helped me. I helped her along the way and it worked perfectly. I mean, when we got to the state game, Bianca was actually starting because Atlanta coast got hurt. So like it came back to a full circle. So yeah, a lot went into it, but it happened and it worked and we won. <laughs> you talked about all of the talent that was on that team. And we talked earlier about how you were just kind of winning year in and year out in high school before then. So does that give you perspective when you're in that moment? Do you realize when you're learning from this these other players that go on to play in the W, that go on to have really successful careers, are you aware at the time how special that situation is? Do you have that, or do you have that perspective now? Yeah, no, it doesn't happen until they're gone. And I think that's anything in life. You really don't know or truly understand what you have until it's taken away. And that's that's another thing with COVID. Like, I never knew that I would miss my teammates, miss working out, being in the gym, being in the weight room so much until I couldn't go in there no more. And that's kind of how it was. So, like, when Asia and all them left, and I was that lone, well, me and Kiki were that lone seniors, and we had a bunch of uh, freshmen. It was like, oh, wow, like, now you, tables tables turn. Like, you really got to be that person. You got to be what Asia and Elena and all them were to me, to the younger ones. And that's kind of how it was. So, like, coming into here in Connecticut, like, just them learning from them. I know when, like, their time is done and they pass the torch, it's like, it's going to be greatly appreciated just to learn from them a little bit and being in uh, my shoes now. You mentioned how Dawn trusted you from day one, and it's so well documented how elite of a coach she is. Yeah. Um, but I always enjoy asking people who played for her how she helped them develop off the court, because that seems to be as much a part of her kind of coaching ethos as the, the actual yeah. basketball of it all. Uh, so how did you gain her trust and how did she help you just as a person in those years at South Carolina? Um, I think because we're both Tauruses, <laughs> we kind of have this natural understanding of like what we like, how we act towards each other. And she'll tell you, too. We always had interviews just talking about like my sophomore or junior year, we butt heads heavy. And I think that was because we're Taurus like I'm stubborn. She's stubborn. Like, we're not going to chase after each other. When we see each other, it's all love. But other than that, it was just like heavy, just button heads. Like, we couldn't figure out why. But 
eventually we got over that. And um, that's when I also realized, too, how much of an impact she had, and especially my senior year and then when I left. And even to this day, I call her and text her and we chatted up and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, like, just Dawn, she was a big, big reason why I committed because everything that she's done in her career, I want to get to. And she teaches us lessons. She's real. And that's what I love about her, that she's so real and authentic. What you got on your visit is what you're going to get and uh, when you commit there. And uh, I could actually tell a story. When we had a person on a visit, she's cussing us out like crazy in practice. Like, I wouldn't want to play with y'all either. Like, I wouldn't want to come here. I'm like, yo. And I'm like, this is real her, though. Like, this is, she's not faking nothing. This is really her. And I think a lot of people, like, recruits respect that about her because, like, Sometimes you get you get fake, like you get the oh it's nice and everything's cool, nothing's gonna happen, and you get there and it's like, whoa, what happened to the visit niceness, you know? But with Don, it's like real, you know what you're gonna get into and what you're not, and um, I respect that about her. And um, we had a lot of talk off the court, and um, just what I learned from her is be authentically you, and I think honestly. Now that she's in the position that she is in now and building this legacy and the journey that South Carolina has now, it's even more powerful than when I was there. Because, like, I mean, we were still on the come up. We were still building and stuff like that. We won one. But once I left and they held that up, now she gets to – she's big time now. Like, she, she's she's wearing her drip. Like, she got all the fly clothes. She's saying what she want to say. I'm like, go ahead. Like, you deserve it. Like, Flowers to her because she deserved everything that she accomplished so far this year. And um, I really respect her and love her for that. And there has been a conversation about just kind of lasting impact. And it's always interesting because we were talking about discerning legacy when you're in the moment, but then yeah. kind of branching it out and looking at it in terms of its its overall place in W mm-hmm. lore. And it's impossible to ignore the impact that South Carolina has on today's WNBA, right? On Sunday afternoon, Asia and Aaliyah, two number one overall picks, went head to head for the first time. And just what does that say about the pipeline, about that legacy you were talking about that's being created in real time out of that program? It just shows shows that Coach is a great coach. I mean, she can produce WNBA players and where WNBA players that can produce at that level. And um, I, I mean, that's a good recruiting tool for her, obviously, for us to do our thing in the next level. Now people will come and be that next dynasty. And I think she did a great job just building South Carolina from the ground up. She used to tell me, like, when she first came in, I think there was probably like 500 fans in the stands. And now we're leading in attendance for the last six, seven years, 13,000 plus so um, just her staying committed, staying consistent, being disciplined, and honestly just paving the way for young Black women is crazy out this world. So to go from your high school career where you, you win three in a row and then South Carolina, the records are, you know, you're losing single-digit games. Yeah. You, you come into Dallas, and obviously there's a learning curve just becoming a professional athlete. Mm-hmm. But then, and it's, you know, obviously the Wings were winning plenty of games too, but there were more losses than there had been maybe previously for you at the last couple of stops. Mm-hmm. What's that adjustment like on someone's mental health, just in general, coming into the league and maybe having to deal with a little bit more adversity than maybe you had from a wins and losses perspective in the past? 
Yeah. Um, honestly, for me, it wasn't more so wins and losses. It was kind of my personal journey because I feel like everybody has that hump of just getting acclimated into the W as their own player because everybody comes that from the W comes where they are a very big part of their college team or high school and they're all-stars and this. But now you're in a group where all of them were all-stars. All of them did this, that, and there. So you kind of had to find your own niche. And that was my biggest thing. It wasn't so much about wins or losses. It was kind of finding my niche and finding my value in the W and trying to work through that. But mentally, uh, I have a mental coach, life coach. And so uh, who was my trainer also, my basketball trainer, and we transitioned to this. And so it made it easier because he understood and we had a long relationship when I was in high school and college. So he knew all my progress and all my steps and all my downfalls. So mentally, just talking to him helped tremendously. We would have Zoom minis here and there for about an hour and just kind of talk through life and try to talk to just finding ways to shift my perspective when things are not going my way. And bringing it back to the current moment here with our, our last couple questions. So yesterday against the Wings, you have this, I think you grabbed the board, one dribble, just fire a one-handed pass full court yeah. for, for the layup. Yeah. I'm always curious talking to guards especially or anyone who's kind of known for their passing about how you develop your vision because I feel like there are certain aspects of basketball super easy just get into the gym and work. Like yeah. shots, you just put shots up. But passing is a uh, is kind of harder to to quantify or define. Yeah. So I feel like that was something you were born with, just this elite vision of the quarter. Have you had to really develop that? Honestly, um, I think I was born with it. Honestly, uh, my coach, Coach Boyer from college, the assistant coach, she always used to tell me I had this special gift of just my IQ and just knowing the feel of the game. Uh, I kind of think the play before it happens and just think. Like, I know when things are going to happen before it happens. So I know I can throw it here or here. But as I progressed in the W, I actually started working on my vision. And I'm watching Chelsea Gray because it's more so things that she see and the things that might not be open and people not don't see is I'm like, how do you even deliver that? So, like, now I've made a conscious effort to actually start trying to think and uh, learn from her and watch her at her game. And honestly, it's just – Easy, because, like, you know, sometimes on, like, a back door, a person's head is turning and it might be covered up, but they can't see that ball. So they don't know where you're delivering it, and they can't steal it. So that's what I'm working on now, honestly, just, like, still making a pass, even though they might be covered and it looks covered to everybody else, but they're not really. And that's where I'm trying to uh, advance my vision on the court, honestly. And Chelsea Gray is a good, 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 good example of that. She's she's the best to watch. <laughs> Amazing. Unbelievable. Sometimes I'll just get, like the my my notes of the game just turn to gibberish when she makes a pass. Just, I just get too And excited. we're going to try to cut that out tomorrow, but I'll <laughs> be like, well, how'd she do that? What she see? <laughs> Take it. You sort of touched on it in talking about Chelsea Gray. Your assist to turnover has always been elite. I, I yeah. think you graduated South Carolina with like the greatest in school history in that yeah. regard. Um, what's the process like of risk reward and kind of balancing like okay i need to be aggressive enough to carve out these opportunities for others by making these passes but i also want to avoid the risk of turnovers which is the easiest way for you know opponents to score yeah. points what's that balance like um honestly not to think about it i think the more i'm thinking and overthinking and 
it makes me more hesitant and then I'm more likely to turn the ball over. So like you said, the risk to reward, you have to actually take the risk and the opportunity to even see if it happens. And if you don't, I mean, it would just be goose egg, zero, zero, or it's going to be a turnover in, in general. So I love assists. Like even some games I've been coming in, I'm like, how many assists do I have? How many turnovers do I have? Oh, no, no, I need more assists. Like I've always been the big part of like assist to turnover ratio. And I think that's just as a point guard, the ball is in our hands a lot. So you can sometimes play with it. Like if you have a couple turnovers and you're like, I get mad about it. And they're like, well, Ty, you had the ball 90% of the game. Like it's going to happen sometimes, you know? So it's kind of just taking it for what it is and not being too worried about the uh, risk and the downfall of everything. I was on the Sunbeat a few years back. And one of the things that is a lasting memory of that outside of just they were a dominant team that that was the year 2021 where they had the best record in the regular season. And Mm -hmm. there was just, it was at the same time, I was also covering a Liberty team that wasn't winning a lot of games. So it was a very different vibe in a lot of those, those uh, press conferences. One thing that was repeated over and over, especially from younger players on the team was Dewana Bonner and just the, the fundamental like kindness and generosity of DB and it was something that I remember hearing over and over. It was the first year of the Commissioner's Cup and young players were talking about how she was kind of pushing the, the players because that money was so important for the younger first yeah. first contract players on the team. Yeah. And just it, it just happened over and over again. So I wanted to know if you had any DB anecdotes or what you've seen from her. Yeah, I mean, she's been in my ear for a while now, even even like overseas, like she'll talk to me and stuff like that. And finally getting here, she's like reminding me because, I mean, obviously I this year it's been great. We've been winning. But for me personally, I, I would like to do more and have more opportunity. But she's always in my ear like we wanted you here for a reason. And she makes me know that I'm valued and I'm worth here. And that that, that makes me feel a lot better because it's like ah, I can do a lot more. And I, I know you guys probably thought things were going to be a little different, obviously, coming here. And I'm like, I can do more. I promise you. Just let me figure everything out. She's like, Ty, trust. Like, I, we know. We know what you can do. I know what you can do. I wanted you here for a reason. And it feels good to have somebody at that caliber telling you that, like, she wants to play with you. And so that makes the world. And even just, like, like you said, just like a vet story. Like, we were on the road, and uh, I think we were in the airport and we were eating. And she asked for the rookie's bill. And I'm like, Oh, hold on. I'm still on a rookie contract. You can take mine too. But like, just like little stuff like that, it feels appreciated to, to have like an all-star legend like her in her caliber just to feel like you're wanting uh, that she likes you and she's helping you all the way. And she's super sweet, super, super sweet, super kind. Even when she's yelling, she's still sweet. Like it's like, <laughs> it's that motherly nature that she has. <laughs> That's so great. She's a, she's a legend. Yeah. Um, well, we've arrived at the end of the show. This has been so fun. We're so appreciative to you for for joining us um, and giving us all these amazing answers. We wanted to close. We've been talking, you know, straight basketball. So I wanted to just close with an off-court question. What do you do on an off day? What do you do in your downtime? Like, what's the, the decompression mode first? So I'm a very homebody. I'm to myself. Um, like I said, I'm a tourist. So we stay to ourselves. I'm an introvert slash extrovert. So um, if my teammates are having something, I'll go over there for a little bit, but not too long because I, I go home and I'll uh, hang out with my dog. I have a dog. He's a Aussie doodle, very super high, high energetic, uh, very loving, very clingy. And uh, we kind of just play around, cuddle, 
taking my walks. I even play video games. I play Fortnite here and there with my younger siblings. So just honestly chilling, listening to music, vibing, relaxing, getting rehab, stretching, or just hanging out with my teammates. So unless you're getting traded in Turkey, you're normally home. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, bro. Thank you so much, Ty. This is a lot of fun. And we're, you know, huge fans already, but that bar keeps climbing. So just rooting for you. Thank you so much for having me, guys. I appreciate it.